0: la <laughs> 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 Oh, I'm in fantastic voice tonight. And, uh, there, up there's little pretty two-shoes. The, there's Eenie, and, there's Enie and there's Meeny. Poor old Miny Well, here today, gone tomorrow. Yesterday is but tomorrow past. Tomorrow is but yesterday gone. And ere the birds twitter in the spring, there shall be many things to do under this wing-dee-ding-ding. I'm going try something here. Would you ready? Would you uh, prepare my little machine in there, Tony, please? That kind of nice To set the uh, mood for tonight's Deep and delving Probing into the soul Of the gigantic cabbage plant That is mankind And would you please bring on If you will, Tony A little of my specially prepared music To accompany mankind As he marches over that fantastic cliff Which stands just next to the abyss In a beautiful location Next to all convenient bus stops It out, say, oh, here we go, here we go, old man. Time marching, 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 ever onward we shall go. Hooray for us, hooray for us, hooray, here we go. As he pointed up the snowy slopes. Come, follow me! And the strange cry makes healthier. Hung those icy lips. Very good now. Now, uh, we've set the mood. Tonight is straws in the wind night. Yes, look at all the tiny little happenings, the little. The little twitterings in the bushes, the sounds of the bees humming in the far distant horizons, the little things that uh, let you know just how life is in the mid-20th century. The straws in the wind. We haven't done this for some time because, uh, well, it's kind of hard today to tell the straws from the uh, footballs as they fly past you. You know, sometimes you think, speaking of footballs. All right, all set in there, Tony. All right, we're going to have to have our special... Mankind marching forward, ever upward, with his eyes upon the great big Zuzu, as he goes on and on. And tonight, straws in the winds, cold from here, there, and everywhere, around the globe. This great big fat old matzo ball floating through the cosmos. But first, an item from Liverpool, England, via Reuters the City of Liverpool has decided to retain the use of the cane as punishment for physically handicapped and maladjusted children. The City Council of Liverpool rejected by 56 to 29 a proposal to abolish corporal punishment for such children in municipal schools. A Conservative Party councillor defending the decision said maladjusted children were perfectly capable of recognizing right and wrong. And the cane is still used to punish children in many British schools. So the cane will continue to be used against particularly handicapped children in Britain. From Brighton, Colorado. Adams County auto licensing clerks, unpacking the new 1968 license plates manufactured at the Colorado State Penitentiary at Cannon City, found two sets with identical markings. Both sets of plates had the simple word help printed across them. They have been returned to the penitentiary. <coughs> The Peking Radio reports from Hong Kong today that the thought of Chairman Mao Zedong had helped workers to build bicycles quicker. It said workers in Harbin in northeastern China had already filled their 1967 quota by thinking always of the thoughts of Chairman Mao. So from the mysterious Orient, Nepalese police in Kathmandu used a shotgun wedding technique when a young man and woman were arrested at a picnic ground near Kathmandu on charges of immoral conduct. The couple was given a simple choice: marriage or the slam. They chose matrimony, and a police magistrate provided the priest with the ceremony and then freed the two. That's what we say to them: have a happy life together, young people. From Alliance, Nebraska, State Senator Richard Eli said it was just an oversight which caused his plane to come in for a screeching belly landing at the municipal airport here Sunday evening. He simply forgot to lower the landing gear. From Australia, from down under, Australians contingent to the 1967 Boy Scout Jamboree carried a large number of boomerangs, neatly stamped made in Japan. And we continue our march through here, there, and everywhere, as the straws continue to pile up around the door here in the studio. From Oldenburg, Germany, Oldenburg police said they returned an 11-year-old runaway boy to his parents' Monday night. The boy left home four days ago, but told police that today is his birthday, and he did not want to miss his presence. Sweden's Swedish prisoners will soon be equipped with love rooms in their cells for the use of inmates and their wives or friends during weekends, penal officials announced. The program is an experiment which will be continued if it proves helpful to rehabilitating the prisoners. <laughs> London, residents of Chiswick, a western London suburb, were buzzing the wrong culprits when they blamed over-flying planes for sticky, quote, deposits on their cars and clothes. Scientific analysis showed the droppings were pollen from bees, simply bees who prefer Austins to almost anything. Very good. Now let's go. We continue. From San Antonio, Texas, Fanny Brown is a 500-pound go-go dancer. At one meal, she is capable of pounding three chickens, a sack of potatoes, 12 cups of coffee, 24 scrambled eggs, 24 pork chops, and a gallon of ice cream. From Portsmouth, England painter George Lefebvre, 23, won $14 and a thundering hangover Sunday by quaffing 16 pints of potent fermented cider in less than 12 minutes. The contest, held despite doctor's warnings that such fast drinking might be fatal, was to promote a rock and roll singer's new record. And from Curry, Indiana, political news, there was a holiday mood in the campaign headquarters of victorious Maralthy candidate Richard G. Hatcher. But not everyone, apparently, was solely concerned with celebrating. George Lindsay, a well-known political reporter for the Indianapolis Star, said his pocket was picked just as the campaign was announced, a victorious one. Da-da-da-da. Now hold that there. We'll just keep that here for a minute. That's the kind of stuff that's happening everywhere. And, uh, it's uh, The straws in the wind it cannot be ignored. I, I uh, have one straw here that... I don't know whether i want to talk about it or not. But it's I think we might as well bring it on there. Bring it in, Tony, please. And now, sporting news from here, there, and everywhere. The world of sports brought to you tonight by this station, which is concerned, as it always is, with the sporting world here, there, and everywhere. From London... Several long-distance runners training for the Olympic and use a common in southern London for training have complained of being approached by ladies of the evening. One of the athletes, John Simpson, 28, said, I have been stopped several times while I was training in the long-distance run, and friends of mine have had their time trials completely ruined. To think about that for a while. Finally, from the animal world, two dogs and 15 cats can look forward to a life of luxury. They are the beneficiaries of a $400,000 fortune left by Mrs. Dora T. Rollins, a well known cat cuckoo. Mrs. Rollins' will was read Tuesday. And it directed that all of her property should go to a trust to provide a home and care for all of my pets, all fifteen cats. We salute that lady. <laughs> oh, upward, upward, and onward, we march, we march forward, forward and onward. Let us go, let us go, rah, 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 boom. Hang on. Uh, speak. Oh, that reminds me. This is W O R in Six City. W O R, New York. <laughs> you get all confused here. And uh, we're in the big town here, Big Apple, there. Right down here in the core. As a matter of fact, and uh, if you listen carefully, you can sound. You can hear the sound of a worm boring past us. Speaking of worms in the core of the vast apple and fruit of existence, uh, would you please hit the commercial button? it's Red River Valley. la da cheer. Friends, this is the sound of a magnificent, lovely Baldwin organ. It's beautiful, isn't it? brings tears to your eyes. So easy and such fun to play. You can move your feet up and down and kick them big pedals. And play on the Vox Humana and let it just rip out. And, baby, does this does this little old baby break them leases? Boys, bring it up there, baby. la da Even if you've never played before... Start right now, and Baldwin will have you playing Christmas carols in December. Not very good, but you'll be playing them in December. Choose from a wide selection of Baldwins. Take advantage of the Baldwin Rental Plan, or budget your organ, over many months directly with the Baldwin Company. For more information, write Baldwin 922 7th Avenue. That's 922 7th Avenue, or call Circle 5-6700. Bring an update there now. You have another one of those little ding-dongs for the waiting populace out there? Like, holy smokes, gang. Don't forget, gee wizard's party time. Nothing formal, you understand? Just a few friends and Big Charlie. You know how Big Charlie is when he gets a snoop full of Miller. You invite old Big Charlie over and you lay in a couple of six-packs of Miller beer, and it'll make the scene all the way. Especially when Charlie does that thing he always does at the end of the evening, you know, when he falls down the stairs, and I said, that's very good. That's the distinctive quality of Miller High Life. And it says something about your good taste and Charlie's good taste. Remember, it's Miller High Life, the life of the party, the champagne of bottled beer in Milwaukee, of course. The Miller Brewing Company. Ding <speaking in the> dong! <background> Gee, that's a nice commercial. That's very exciting. And, uh, you know, speaking of sight, on the... You know, I, I, can't keep, I just can't get my mind off that poor guy training for the Olympics. I mean, just nothing is sacred anymore. Just nothing. Although I, I do understand, though, that uh, they figure that, you know, with the new permissive world and all that, that things are changing greatly. That they figure by the 1974 Olympics that it will be an Olympic event. What will be? Dee, 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 dee. Oh, um, the hop, skip, and jump. Uh, of course, that uh, dee, dee, dee. So you can start training out there, gang, right now. If you'd like to try out for the team. Well, the you have got to maintain your amateur status, though. Would you please hit the ding dong again? Will you please, please? Oh, they're all live. From me right now. They—they they kind of trust me with a commercial here. Holy smokes! Gee, this is a good one. Listen, just see, is an exciting commercial. It says, there seems to be a slight difference of opinion. I'm quoting here about a picture that is breaking records at two theaters in New York. The picture is Richard Lester's How I Won the War from United Artists. And they go on to say, it is just possible that Richard Lester has gone too far. States Ramparts Magazine, that very, very well-known uh, expert magazine on films. Quote, it's World War II without its pants on, they added. Lester has made a film which is a protest against the way in which our entire world is run. Obviously, Lester's in charge of the world now. This is obviously going to be seen again and again. I would like to see it 20 times. This is from San Francisco Chronicle, etc., etc. How I Won the War is now at the Art Theater in Greenwich Village and the York Cinema Uptown. How's that, man? Or ego. I mean, how's that? Fantastic. Hey, Ron makes a movie about how the whole world is run including filmmakers, I presume. That reminds me, did you, did you read one of the funniest little notes of our time the other day? A little headline came in, it says, uh, it says uh, Dick Gregory states, I have sent a peace feeler. I have sent my peace feeler to Hanoi. I think I'm going to send a peace feeler to Peru. I, Jay i am now making peace with Peru. And I want to feel you out. President Gómez Kuzmo. And... <laughs> I'll tell you the getting. <laughs> I see this little old news dealer down on 4th Street sending a peace feeler to Yugoslavia. Well, Ego. Ego, Schmigo, double ego. Speaking of egos, if you think you're pretty smart, you know what? We have a little commercial here about uh, from the ideal... Adult Game Company. Gee, that's that's a great name. I can think of some wonderful, ideal games for adults. I really can. And uh, they're called Sherlock Holmes. There are three different types of games. One of them is called Sherlock Holmes, Murder on the Orient Express. Would you give me a little of that barrel organ music in there? I think that's kind of like... Sherlock Holmes, Murder on the Orient Express. And the other game is Full Man Cho, The Hidden Horde of the Insidious Dr. Full Man Cho. And the last game is Ellery Queen, or the case (laughs) of the elusive assassin. And each one of these games, by the way, can only be won by the smartest guy in the crowd, which is going to reduce a lot of people for not playing. I'll tell you in a hurry. But nevertheless, if you're the smartest guy in your crowd and you want to really show them, you get one of these three games. They're sinister. One, Sherlock Holmes. I, I, I will read them to you, by the way, in order of ascending difficulty. The most difficult one is Sherlock Holmes, Murder on the Orient Express. The next difficult one is Eller Queen, The Case of the Elusive Assassin. And the one, you know, you can play around with it, Bill of Sinisters, Full Man Manchu, The Hidden Horde. And uh, these are ideal games, and you can find them at Corvettes, okay? Corvettes for family fun, right? Depends uh, so on what kind of family you got. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Have we finished all of them? Oh, oh, hey, listen, listen. Hey, hey, hey. hey. I don't know whether I should tell you this or not. I'm going to brag now. I'm going to be really rotten. And uh, in the current issue of Playboy magazine, Tony, there appears a magnificent, sensational short story by guess who? Entitled. Entitled. I want you to listen carefully. Entitled, The Return of... The smiling wimpy doll, and uh, that story, uh, that 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 short story, I was just informed by telephone today has won another major national humor award, and I'm delighted. And uh, if you want to pick up, uh, you know, it's in Playboy, it's in the current issue of Playboy. Which leads me once again: you buy my book, or I'll hit you. The title of my book is Bring It Up There. Come on, Tomorrow, more of that. And bring it up there. In God we trust. All others pay cash. And it's on the Bantam label. And you'll find it everywhere that uh, crinkly books are sold. You'll find it there. I was just really surprised the other day. I'm in Buffalo. And there it was right next to Aunt Maisie's dream book. And uh, it was. I'm not kidding. Aunt Maisie's dream book. And underneath it says, Real tips on the races and how to make your fortune and how to win at love. And on the other side was a book by Bertrand Russell, called uh, The Differential Equation and Me, or The Integrals Throughout History. Gonna... Title again, In God We Trust, All of Us Pay Cash. You have one word of advice. Buy it, sit on the A-train, read it, fall over sideways, laugh and holler, and make sure that all the klutzes around you see what you they're reading. Thank you. You know, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, speaking about straws in the wind, I've got a terrible straw here that I want to put on. This I want you to listen carefully to this. I'm poking it up here, there. Will you hear what I'm going to do, crowd? I like the fuse here. i the thing. I like the fuse. Hold it there. I'm see it. Gives us four and a half minutes. Okay. All right. We're prepared. We'll work there. Now, uh, sneak a little of that sneaky music in there. Real quiet. Real quiet. Speaking of straws in the wind, you poor, silly member of the public. Straws in the wind. We have a note here from a kid. And uh, a very serious note. And it's part of the Straws in the Wind service that we here at this radio station are performing for you, to give you a little insight into what really is happening out there. Quote, Dear Chef, I'm writing this letter in a state of indignation. I have heard rumors that unjustly accuse the American teenager of consuming extensive amounts of alcoholic beverages. And he underlines this three times, this is not true. While we do indulge ourselves in a little bending of the elbow once in a great while, we are not a generation of winos. For example, take me, and I hope that I'll trust to your good judgment that I will remain nameless because of the following incident. On any given Saturday night when the boys and I work up a thirst from innocently standing on in the corner looking the girls over, we decide to quench our throats that now feel like Angora sweaters with that national drink of ancient Egypt and also of Newark, New Jersey, beer, I, who look the oldest, is given the false identification and sent on my merry way to the nearest gin mill. After my mission is accomplished, I return with the goods, always with an eye open for the law, which proves teenagers are not as careless as most adults believe. For the next three hours, my associates and I, including a couple of the neighborhood beauties, indulge in a little celebration in the nearest schoolyard. And after the party is over, we decide to save our green stuff for another rainy day, or might as the case may be, and head for the shelter of our homes, which only are a couple of blocks away, and takes two hours, however, to finally reach them. Adults believe this goes on every night, and this is why I'm so angry. This is why these rumors that are spread that we are a degenerating generation. This is not true. It does not go on every night as many little old ladies would like to think. In fact, we possibly stumble through doorways no more than three or four times a week, which proves that we are simply healthy, normal American generation, just another generation, waiting for our 21st birthdays. And Shepard, the boys and I of, of Ironbound section of Newark New Jersey would like to make you an honorary member of the Schaefer Drinking Circle. We have a party in your name and this Saturday and we'll lift our steins high to you as we hear you singing out loud and play so strong from the limelight. <laughs> cut, cut that down. <laughs> you know, uh, Oh, by the way, the kid winds up here. He says, uh... Shepard, uh, uh, we want you to know that we speak for our entire generation. Uh, cha, 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 cha. Well, boss, boss, it may nice surprise you to learn that a cricket does not sing to be cheerful. As Charles Dickens believed, he sings because he feels so melancholy. I asked one with whom I have become well acquainted what his song meant, and he replied... There are no words to go with that music. But the music is sad. I make that music these hot nights because I have prickly heat. And there's nothing else to do. And another cricket said, Yes, our song is sad. I'm not troubled by the heat, but my song is melancholy too. The words to my song said the second cricket are as follows. And he repeated them to me, for you, to wit. My love fell into a spider's web. Squeak, squeak, squeak. And she screamed with pain as he crunched her bones into his bloody beak. Squeak, squeak. Squeak. Yes, I said. That is sad, very sad, said the cricket. But not as sad as the second stanza, which goes as follows. My love got caught in the crack of the door. Squeak, squeak, squeak. And I think with grief of the way she died whenever I hear it. Creak, squeak, squeak, squeak. Whenever I hear it, creak, squeak, squeak, squeak. squeak. That brings tears to my eyes. I said. Yes, he said. There's nothing you could call jolly about the second stanza, nor the third stanza, and the fifth stanzas. Friend, I said hurriedly, let me hear the last stanza. He looked at me as if I had struck him, and hurried off with tears in his gentle eyes. One thing that makes crickets so melancholy is that they have, they have the artistic temperament. All right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Did you hear that? Did you hear that story about the guy, about those license plates that said help? No, I wouldn't laugh at that. You know, I was driving along the Jersey Turnpike the other day and a guy went by me in a car from the state of Vermont. I believe it's Vermont. One of those New England states. You know, there's a state up there in New England where you can get any word you want on a license plate. Did you know that? You just pay them five bucks extra. And they'll send you whatever word you want. Well, this guy had a word on his license plate. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, you know, I drove behind it for about maybe half a mile looking at it making sure that it was what it said, what it was, what it was. It was, by George. And the only thing that I could think of how he got it was that the guy in the license plate bureau did not know French. He just thought it was a nickname, this guy. Kind of, you know. <laughs> oh, everywhere you look, guys are trying to express themselves best they can. You know. In fact, that reminds me of what happened once in Ohio. You remember that story? I think I told you that's so one of the greatest things ever happened in Ohio. You know, they make they make the uh, license plates in the pen out there, and uh, that's the Ohio State pen. And a uh, great big excitement one day. It seems that, you know, they, they mail them to you. Every year you get your plates, you know. And uh, this guy's living in Canton, Ohio or someplace like that, you know, Rumpot, Ohio or something. And uh, he's sitting around there and his license plates arrive in the mail. He's just ordinary walking around citizen named George something. And uh, license plates come. You know how they come in that long brown envelope. And it says official duty, official business. And his plates come. He had, a, he had a, you know, his regular license plate was something like 6SJ7GTL, you know, just ordinary plate well, a lot of numbers and stuff. And uh, he didn't think much about it. He left his license plates lay on the dining room table for a couple of days before he even opened them, you know. And he decided, well, maybe I'll put on my new plates. He sat down, he had a hamburger, opened up the, opened up the brown envelope, and he could not believe his eyes. He got a set of license plates. Well, I... I hope you'll understand that I'm reporting on the world here tonight and the way things are. I don't want to be accused of, of uh, causing any problems in morals or anything. But he got a license plate with a simple Anglo-Saxon word, just jumped right out of it. And, and, and uh, what made it even worse was the plate was red and white. I mean, it was very clearly readable for at least seven miles away, and it just jumped right out at him. And he couldn't believe he thought they were put. He thought his neighbors and friends were putting them on. You know, somebody gave him a fake license plate, and at the same time he was so delighted. This guy had a fit of laughing that it took his wife nine minutes to get him. You know, stop choking. She kept hitting him on the back. He had the greatest license plates in the history of Christendom, at least as far as license plates are concerned. Well. <laughs> Uh, and he, you know the you know that little side envelope that comes on your plates that contains your registration he ripped that open and there it was on his registration he's legal, so he tears out into the garage and he slams them plates on the car and he starts driving around town you know putting as much mile little old ladies were fainting and driving through the a and p windows and yelling and you know horses were rearing and kids were crying and strong men were weeping He'd Drive along and of course he's not out 20 minutes when all of a sudden there's a knocking on the door and it's the fuzz I said alright smart guy what about them plates said, what, what, what do you mean what plates he said what about them plates you got on there they're, they're my license what do you mean let's see your registration smart guy and he whips out the registration they took one look at it and he says where did you get he said what's the matter the guy says the cop says look at what that plate says he says, what? what do you mean what it says? And the cop says, What do you mean? What do you mean? What did it say? Look at that! Says, what does that word mean? So, would you please give the man's footwork there a little salute? I might point out that uh, his plates were confiscated. He was taken off the road for 30 days. And when he finally got his next license plates, there were 74 digits long. Mixed numbers, slashes, exclamation points, zeros, dots, asterisks. <laughs> oh, well, but he had his moment in the sun. And probably even to this day, he's telling people about it. And nobody believes it really happened. Well, it did happen, friends, because I saw the plates. And I would like to salute that man up in Vermont who put one over on the authorities. And uh, just lucky they don't know friendship there. First I know a couple of good words in uh, Hungarian. I know a great word. And the beauty of that word, it sounds like an obscure poem by a Welsh poet. All right. Enough, enough, enough. Enough, 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 enough. Hello, testing. I'm try something here, just a minute. There, hey, that's better. Much better. Cuss the hum. Ah, na, na, hey, okay, I trail to the phone. La da dee, de, 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 la da dee. De, de. I'll tell you a story, though, as long as we're sitting here. That, uh, I've been working up to this, working up this story, because uh, when I'm reading these little snippets of the wind and the willows and Mr. Toad trying to steal third base and you know how everything works like that. What was her name, Mrs. Boggs and the Cabbage Patch? And uh, Peter Cottontail. That was his name, Peter Cottontail. And uh, little. what was her name? Little Miss Muffet sat on a truffet eating her curds and whey. What the heck is a truffet? Really doesn't matter. What is curds and whey, for that matter? You can't get that at the a and <laughs> A little mead there. But, uh, you know, this is here, there, everywhere. No place yet. I remember one time, though, I'm down in the garage back at a school. A kid, you know. And uh, you know, you, you know, kids always do this, you know. They experiment with beer. And uh, they experiment with uh, smoking big black stogies. And uh, they experiment a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I was no different from a lot of kids. I'd been experimenting with a lot of kind of things. And I'm down in the garage of the school. This garage back at the school, see. And I'm standing next to the pickup truck. And I got my lunch and I'm waiting for the bell to ring. And there's Schwartz. He's standing next to me. And uh, there's Flick behind him. We've been eating lunch. And uh, the bell rings. And all the kids start charging in. Thousands of them, you know, they go rushing into school. And it was a nice sunny day. It's fall. You know, you begin to get that little itch down deep inside of you. And uh, Schwartz looks at me, and he says, um, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to go back to school this afternoon? And I said, uh, sure would. And Flick says, well, how come we don't just go walking? And uh, Flick says, oh, but that would be cheating. And so Schwartz says, but I like to cheat. And so we walked out of the garage, finished our Twinkies, drank off the little last dregs of the Coke we were drinking and headed out across the football field. Now, you know those old stories, those stories that you always see in the rotten, crummy movies, uh, the ones that uh, people like uh, Johnny Mac Brown are in, or, or more than that, people like Dick Ferran, or Tom, Cl- no, there was, what was the name Tom Brown? Remember Tom Brown at the Round Face? Hey, wouldn't you love to see a TV show one time, uh, one of these panel-type shows where they get maybe five of those guys together I don't mean five old movie stars. I mean five guys that made movies for Republic Pictures. <laughs> I mean, it was real terrible. You know, Vera Ruba Ralston type pictures. You know, where she was always a, a peasant girl in Transylvania. Remember that? And the parachute jumper would land there, and his name was Tom Brown. <laughs> He's flying in the studio airplane. Remember, and his friend, his friend was always somebody like, uh, who, uh, the guy that always played the sailors all the time. He was always the funny sailor. About seventeen million movies. The mechanic, Frank McHugh, you know, and the, he's the funny guy. And they meet Vera Ruber Ralston, and uh, she's skating around, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, this is true surrealism. I, I don't think many people uh, at the time, uh, looking at it now, you can see that uh, it's really out of cloud cuckoo land. Uh, the genuine. And I would love to see a panel show composed of uh, Tom Brown. Uh, June Pricer, and she'd come with her, you know, bring her baton. June Pricer would do these backflips all the time. For some reason or other, backflips and acrobatic dancing was very big in bad movies. And, uh, yeah, you know, those were the movies that could not afford tap dancers. You know, tap dancing. And uh, incidentally, speaking of, uh, of doing backflips and uh, acrobatic dancing, there was this girl named Lillian who lived in our neighborhood, there was. there's always one kid in every neighborhood who's taking or who has taken toe dancing. Do they still teach toe dancing to kids? <laughs> there has never been proved to me, to my satisfaction, what earthly value of any type toe dancing is. But there was a myth among a certain class of people that if you were a girl, you took toe dancing, and either that or acrobatic dancing, and if you were a boy of a certain type, you learned to play the accordion. <laughs> Talk about Slav art. <laughs> and at Lily, if I remember Lillian in our, in our neighborhood, there's one kid that totally dominates all the talent type stuff done in a school or in a neighborhood, you know. Uh, there's always one kid that has taken 4,000 lessons and is a very aggressive mother. And this, it's usually a girl. And this girl always plays the central role in every production that is ever done at the Warren G. Harding School, or school number 148. And she is always running around in a set of tights that are red, white, and blue with stars. And she's wearing a tall Uncle Sam hat. And uh, she's wearing silver boots. And uh, the music is playing behind her, the stars and stripes forever. And she's doing backflips back over and then she does cartwheels that's another thing cartwheels all over the stage well we had we had Lillian and I, I I've never mentioned her do you because she was such a rotten girl that uh, she played no role at all in the lives of me and Schwartz and Flick and Bruner and Helen Weathers except that she was always just a hated figure you know if there's somebody that's totally hated you just don't sit around and talk about them they're just hated and Lillian Lillian Stanford was hated as few mortals I know have been hated, primarily because she was a snotty girl. I hate to use that expression, but there is uh, that. No, no, that, that's a, that's an American expression. It's uh, nothing wrong with it. It's just it's part of the language, and it says it better than any word I can say. I could say she was a uh, an aggressive girl. I could say that she was an egotistical girl, but that would not exactly say it the way the first expression said it. She was that say. And Lillian would always be standing on the corner, waiting for a bus, and she was always going to a thing she called her lesson. So I was heading for her lesson. She always had this little bag, and you could see a tight sticking out of it. And she's waiting by the bus station, and me and Flick and Shorts and Berner walking around. And Helen wet his hat, no fat Helen. And and sure enough, on would come the PTA show. Now uh, I don't know whether many of you have ever been asked to perform at a PTA show. Uh, P.T.A. shows run really largely to uh, glee clubs singing. Uh, Have you baked a Jerry Pine, darling, Billy? Uh, what is that song? Has to go. Gee, I know some terrible second words to that that uh, that the glee club used to sing. That one, uh, another song that always you sing is uh, uh, the little brown church in the dell. Ding dong, ding dong, and the altos howl. Ding dong, and the basses go. Dong, bong, bong. Ta 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 You know the young couples going to the Dell and all that. We had other sets of words to that one, but every PTA performance that I ever saw was always dominated through one period. It was the red, white, and blue period of the PTA at Warren G. Harding. Every, I would say, every, possibly for three straight running years, every PTA was highlighted by an interpretive, acrobatic dance turn by Lillian Stanford. And that uh, she had all these costumes her mother would make. She would interpret Thanksgiving Day. She would come out dressed as a turkey or possibly a pilgrim. She would interpret Christmas. She would come out dressed as an angel, you know, with wings. Uh, and we would always have to sing. I was in the glee club. We would always have to sing behind her. We'd sing things like, Noel, Noel. And she would do acrobatic dancing wearing wings the same dance, or we would have to sing, uh, you know, kids sing uh, Thanksgiving songs, and sing things like, uh, oh, I am a pilgrim, and uh, then the, the altos would sing, and we are Indians, and then someone else would sing, and I am Father Thanksgiving. You don't know the tune? It's not a very good tune, but we sang it, and then she would run around the stage dressed like a pilgrim and do the same acrobatic flips. And Schwartz, always singing next to me in the bass section, would say, I hope just once. I hope just once. And I am singing, oh, here they come to the dell. And Schwartz says, I hope just once that she breaks her. And she kept going up and down and flying sideways and spinning the baton. And then it hit, I'll never forget it, that great moment. We are singing, and it's uh, just before Christmas time. And, you know, we're getting into that season. So already out there in the boondocks, little schools with their own Lillian Stanford's are preparing their next great pageant. We are singing Noel, Noel, and Lillian is swinging around on the stage with her little angel wings. Noel, Noel, and up the fly she goes and down the sideline she goes. No, and then she goes across across the stage in a series of cartwheels, and I don't know what happened this time. Maybe Lillian had been tip in the jug. I don't know what happened, but she cartwheeled right off the edge of the stage and down into the pit, just like that. Well, the entire base section applauded. Lillian, they did. They just stopped right in the middle of a big fat Noel, and they just let out a, you know, and she crawled back up, and she had both her wings busted, and she looked at the bass section, and she said something that no Christmas angel should ever say. Sola, uh, you would never think a 10-year-old girl would know something like that. Well, of course, every 10-year-old girl in our neighborhood do a lot more than that. But the PTA didn't know it. So she hollered out that word, and the bass has just started up again. No, well, Mr. Melton was directing us. No, well...